we, I, I was just reading um, in some book, when the fall of man happened, when sin entered, brain capacity went down like to 10%. I, I hear different people talk about this, that what our brain functions at and what it could function at is huge. Like we are so capable and um, there's so much there in the original design of what we are to be. We are, uh, this is part of our journey. It is why, you know, why we keep gathering. Why do we keep gathering? Why do you keep coming week after week? I mean, if you have, um, if you have revelation that you should come and fellowship on Sunday morning, like why, why do you do that? What's the goal? And my goal is that there's so much more to tap into. There's so much more to get free from. There's so much further to go. We're just scratching at the surface. And uh, sin has just wreaked havoc in our lives and the fall has wreaked havoc in our lives. And our culture and what we live in pulls so much, pulls us down so far that we come to believe this is all there is. This is it, you know, and um, I am so aware of how at times my mind is just cloudy, foggy, like uh, if I, I can almost visualize it going, you know, static and things jumping around, not in a good way, like a little bit of chaos, you know, and, uh, and I think it's a real thing. And so that's, that's awesome. Pray over your mind and believe. I, I've, everything that I've been committing to the Lord, and then I mix praying in the Spirit. Like, I name the issue, and then I pray in the Spirit. I name the, I identify the, the it's just identify the burden of your heart, okay? That, it's that simple. There's always something that's nagging at you, something you're fearful of, something that's looming, something that's coming. Just think that, and then apply praying in the Spirit to that. And and then commit it to the Lord. Like, do that as a, I'm doing this to the Lord. Like, it's, and, and heaven will respond. There's, there's a change. And um, it's been amazing what has happened recently when I've been consciously doing that. Now, I always and often do that, but there's been a difference when I'm like, I need, I want to get serious about this. I want to really tap into the potential. And um, there were, there was, there was a day when I was just struggling and um, I, I was experiencing like a, a debilitating depression and that's like old Rick. So when that showed up recently, I'm like, what? Oh, it, it, it bothered me, it scared me a little because once, if you've experienced real depression and it's usually not about anything that's why people can't cheer you up if that really gets on you. It, it's an oppression. It, it comes from somewhere else. When you lose hope and you can't see and you can't really function. I mean, I know we just want to slap people. Hey, get out. Knock it off. You know, stop, stop doing that. But when, when real depression comes, it's debilitating. You, you can't function. You can't think. It's really hard to do simple things, simple tasks. And 
And I was starting, I was experiencing that. I'm like, oh, this is all too familiar. I hate familiar things showing up again. <laughs> like, you know, oh, I know that. And, um, but I, I prayed prayers. I didn't try to even change how I felt. I just, I just committed it to the Lord. Like, and uh, I forget specifically, but I just prayed things and thanked the Lord and, you know, and prayed in the spirit. And it was hard, like it was a hard. And it wasn't long, I knew it was gone. And I was, I was back. I was okay. And so do that. And some of the most important prayers you pray are the prayers that feel very unanointed at the moment. They're just like out of a hope and a prayer that it works, huh? But that's, that's why I feel so sensitive to it's those cries, those praises, those um, simple prayers we pray that Ding. They may not affect anybody around you if they if they would hear you, but heaven hears that. Like it's a it's a it's a nine one one call to heaven, and there's a response at the other end. And things things are moved. I believe angels are sent. I mean things things happen when you commit your way to the Lord. And that passage that Phyllis read in the beginning was First Peter one five through nine, because I'm gonna I'm gonna read it at the end of the message. Um, I have introduced a subject about iniquity, and um, to review a little bit, it's found in Ezekiel twenty eight, where speaking of Lucifer, and it speaks of his glory and his beauty and his all the things that he had that he was made made in heaven and and then the lord says and then it says in in the passage in in the scripture but in until iniquity was found in you when i heard this word and um i had picked up this book on iniquity by uh, dr anna mendez barrel um it really, I went, I saw something that I didn't. I saw that there was a, a differentiation between sin, like what we commit, what we do, and uh, that there was this realm that was before an act is even for this. What causes the sin? What presses you in that? So the good news is, introducing that subject right away to the good news, is that Psalms 91 or 51 David is praying this prayer, and I keep thinking, I think about this, and I look at this, and he prays this prayer after he commits the most horrendous sin. Here is a hero of heaven and earth. We're still singing his songs. Here's, here's an amazing individual that praised in worship and the greatest king, yeah, of Israel. And... Um, he falls, he commits adultery, but then it's the cover-up that's even worse than the sin. He has her husband killed, so it doesn't appear, you know, that he can't be found out. And it takes the prophet to come along and tap him on the shoulder and like, hey, there's, there's a man that stole someone's prized lamb and, you know, and slew it and David's like appalled, like, oh, what should be done with that man? Well, he should be, you know, nailed. 
And the prophet goes, well, that man's you. And his, his thing gets exposed. It's interesting. Here's what's, there are several things about this story that are amazing. He taps into New Testament theology before New Testament's written. <laughs> First of all, because he deserved punishment. Death, like, is bad what he did. He taps into grace. How we knew to do that? I'll ask him when I see him. How did you know? How did you know you even could? How did you know you could cross the line? How, could, how did you know you could move into something, uh, into mercy? And in his prayer, he says something very unique. Now, here's a king and leader of Israel, and everyone finds out about this. And he goes, his prayer, though, is before you and you alone that I sin. Hmm. Now, if you created, if you committed an offense just towards someone, against someone, you need to make that right. I'm not minimizing that at all. There are things to say, and there's acts of repentance where you go back and try to establish something, re repent, and uh, that's, that's a great thing. But David had this consciousness like, my sin is before you. It was important because he didn't get caught up in people in this moment. It was very important that this thing stayed between him and the Lord. And whatever he did is a model because he got free, and you don't read about anything after that point. Like, after that, he was delivered. And in his prayer, in uh, um, Psalm 51, verse 2, let me just go to that. And, of course, it reads differently in some of the translations. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways. And uh, in, I think, another version, it says, wash me thoroughly from iniquity and cleanse me from sin. So he names, he uses both of those words. And you start to see and that this word iniquity shows up a lot, and I finally asked, is there a difference? And, and, and I've been learning, this is the thing in us that creates the bad behavior. What drives you to do something wrong when you know it's wrong, when you know you shouldn't? Have you, have you uh, hopefully we've all, like I'm not the only person that's go, why would I do that? I know better. I don't know. I didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? And you're like perplexed. Like what pressed on me to do that? It, it's, it's iniquity. It's a leftover. It's a, it's a thing that is still there where iniquity, a dwelling place where we're to dwell in the Lord and there's this thing somewhere in your soul, a, a house that got built and it's still affecting you. Now, it's important if, as I dabble into this subject, to keep something established. The cross is a finished work. It accomplished everything you possibly could need, which goes back to this scripture that, that Phyllis, and I'll close with it, read out of Second Peter chapter 1. That remember your freedom is established in Christ, cover all, okay? It's all there. However, Things can remain in your life, and this is what gets confusing. 
And I'll find different people are still hung up on different things. They're free here. They've come to Jesus. Oh, happy day. They're free here. They're free here. They're free here. They're, eh, they're not free in this area. I'll see that. I've, I've experienced that, and I've seen that in people. So, you know, this bad habit's gone, and this thing's gone, and this is whatever. And I'll hear different testimonies through my life about how many things changed from that moment. Then there's, then there's this thing that remained. Then there's this, it's a, it signifies a stronghold, and it's, it's like a, that tenant that has started breaking all the rules, and they stopped paying their rent, and they, this, they've, they've broken the covenant, the contract you have, and you're like, hey, 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 pay up or get out. Stop doing this. You're breaking the rules, and they go, no. And so a landlord has to go through the nasty, ugly process of evicting them. I only use that as an illustration. We need, there are some things that we need to evict that should be gone, but they're entrenched. They're still there. So this message is hope for you. Like, what is this, this thing? And you don't have to go on a search, actually. And this is what is also important to say. Pretty soon you're going to be studying your navel and you will not be looking where you're going. It's true. Any interest, I find introspection brings depression. So be careful with that. That's not what this message is about. This is about, and this emphasis is about, if there's something that is still there after you've come to Christ, have hope. There's a way to identify it, repent for it if it's appropriate, and, and see it cast out. Let me read. Uh, the best is testimonies are great, aren't they? Let me read an, uh, a story. This is from Anna. Um, she is like, I don't, where was she? Um, I'm trying to remember where she's from. Um, like Southern, South America, I'll just say. She's from one of those countries. She has the accent and everything. Okay. So she's using it as an example of how... Um, there can be a stronghold that will bring uh, iniquity produces financial ruin and lack. It's one of the subject titles. She goes, I have seen this many times, even in my own family. I have seen how my grandfathers had a good financial position, both, but both ended up in ruin. When I became a Christian, I had very little money, and each time I received a financial blessing from the Lord, it was immediately snatched by the devil. In several occasions, I was stripped of things that belonged to me legitimately. Even my parents' inheritance was taken from me unrighteously. I didn't understand why I was losing my financial inheritance until I began to understand iniquity. See, this is the moment when you get embittered against people, right? And, and it, it gets further entrenched in you that you're a victim. People have defrauded you. It's hard to get over when someone's defrauded you. It's, it's not easy. I'll, I'll just say it clearly. It is a hard thing. If someone breaks into your house and robs you, it's traumatic. You're okay, but there's an effect. It takes a while to get over it. That, that's what my observation of people that have had someone come and rob something or rob their house or break in. It, it's not a little thing. It's a big deal. So when it's at a greater, the bigger the, you know, 
realm is that you've been defrauded uh, or something has happened or you've lost, it, it's hard not to get your eyes on them and want vengeance and a couple other things, you know? So, then the course of my destiny changed. One day I asked the Lord, this is, this is practical how to apply. I asked the Lord, to show me the financial iniquity in my lineage. So she had gotten revelation. She goes, ah, I think I'm going to apply this to what I'm going through. Through a dream, I saw one of my grandparents committing fraud with one of his business associates. This man cursed him and told him all his generations would be affected with financial ruin. This is real. This is real. Sometimes you're kicking against the stones. You keep working harder, trying more, trying to get further ahead, trying to change, whatever that thing is. Finances makes a good illustration, right? We know what that, we, we, we're familiar with that. And, and we apply a lot of different things to try to fix the problem. And no matter what you try, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't change it. As a matter of fact, it usually makes it worse. The next morning when I woke up, the first thing I did was to ask forgiveness for the iniquity and sin of my grandfather and to cancel any curse. Now, I've, I've listened to Christians get in arguments about this subject, about whether the sins of the father, forefathers can transfer into if you're a Christian. That's a tough argument to be around. You know, I like to be the observer when that's going on because I don't want to step in that mess because around and around and around it goes. But here... Here's the bottom line to all that stuff. I go, if you got the problem, maybe you should look for an answer. <laughs> if you don't have the problem, then that argument's great. But when, when you've got a big problem and nothing's working, then you start going, is there something to this? So humble yourself. And don't worry about being so theologically perfect, correct, ideologically, whatever. We go places with that stuff, don't we? Especially when we start hating people over it. Um, hello, you know, and we do. Wars are fought over this, huh? Yeah. So she repents for the sin of her forefathers. If you, if you got a problem, you'll try it. And the sin of my grandfather to cancel, cancel any curse, placing the sacrifice of Christ between my grandfather and his descendants. Then I began to sound out the areas in which I had sinned by placing my confidence in riches or any other sin in the area of money that I could have committed. I asked for forgiveness. So, yeah, pretty soon we're in, yeah, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? From, day, from that day forward, she asked for forgiveness. From that day forward, God re, has returned to me everything the devil had stolen, and the blessings of Jehovah rest upon my life. That's a great illustration, huh? Like, oh, okay. Well, there, there must be something to this. And so when you have, you don't have to go searching, but when you have something that keeps showing up, then turn and go, what is this? And ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. He, he's like, I've been waiting for you to pray that prayer. I've experienced that many times in my life. I pray and I pray and I pray and I ask the Lord. And then I pray the right prayer. And boom, you know, like, oh, 
Connection, you know, it's like when you're trying to find out why the light bulb won't work, and all of a sudden you touch the, a, a wire that's loose. You know, maybe it's behind a wire nut. Uh, that often happens. And it, it, if it's just loose, that doesn't work. And you, you bump it, and the lights come on. You go, ah, there must be a problem on here. You unscrew it and, you know, screw it, you know, and get that and tighten it and get it solid and, and got contact. And spiritually, I've experienced that. Well, I, I pray the right prayer, and I feel like heaven goes, finally. You asked the right question. Finally, you prayed the right prayer, and boom, things open. Like, whoa, that was fast. If you're praying, getting a lot of unanswered prayers, like, kind of reset a little bit. Like, Lord, is it, Holy Spirit, is there something different I should pray about? Should I pray a different way about this situation? Is there some part I'm playing in this problem? Because I can't imagine it, but maybe. <laughs> and you go, show me what I'm doing wrong here. Bling, lights come on. You're like, oh, that must have been a loose connection. I get it. You know, once I see things, I'm like, okay, good. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to go after that. It's the worst is when you don't know and you don't want to look. <laughs> That's the worst. You're living in the worst. The moment you go, I'm ready to look at this because this is serious. I can't get my marriage to work right. My children, my relationship with my children are messed up. I don't like how it is. I don't like the tension. What's wrong? What's going on? Pray. You have access. So the, the reality that there can be things, strongholds, things in our soul that are still affecting us, they need evicted. It's like, well, I hate having to go through this, but I, I, need, I need to go after it. I want to I wanna get delivered. I want to get free. I want to I wanna go after this thing. That'll help you from going down ugly holes that you don't need to go down. And the reality is, you're free in Christ. You are. You are free in Christ. And if something is abiding, remaining, pray that prayer. Or someone you're watching, Lord, what you can ask the question, someone you're carrying a, carrying a burden for, like, Lord, what's the real key here? It looks like this and it looks like that, but what do you say is really going on? And I love having the lights come on in those areas because we, we do. We hear about... Uh, people that are sick or we hear about things that are just not going well and we, we become perplexed ourselves for someone else that we love or we care about and uh, stop and pause and stop looking at it through your emotional eyes and your, you know, vengeance is mine, says Rick and all that stuff, you know. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to get another gun. I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm gonna fix this. I'll do this. I'll fix this. Yeah? So in many areas, we get so perplexed, we step into the, okay, if the Savior's not going to come, I'll come. Savior Rick. That always makes a big mess. So pray and be careful with this thing, with these things. When something's going wrong, step back and go, Lord, what, what's really happening there? I see with my eyes, but I'm going to close them for a minute, and I want to see with my spiritual eyes. And I'll tell you what, you can look brilliant if you grab a hold of that at the right time. Like, wow, you're a genius. Um, not really me, but yeah, go, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So David experienced not only being forgiven from his sin, his act of sin, 
but I believe, I go here because I believe he got delivered from iniquity, released from the iniquity as well. And Jesus wants to free you, not just give you a clean slate. Ah, clean slate. That always feels good. Oh, happy day. My sins are forgiven. But if, you're, if the root isn't cleansed as well, or we don't have revelation about that, or something is insisting, then you'll, it, it shows up again. Then you're really discouraged. Like, what, what's, why, why is this still here? I, I could give illustrations, but they're, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to be distracting. But there, yeah, there are a lot of things we, we try to do it again and with the same problem in play, and yeah, we have another mess. Now, instead of one mess, we have five messes, right? So it's good to be serious about this and go after, go after that. The word iniquity means twisted or distorted, everything that turns away from God's straight and perfect path. So I want to be free. Like um, when I started going after, there could be iniquity in me. You know, you're, all, you're always thinking these dark, deep, whatever but um, another, another thing can be the fear of man. If you have the fear of man, it will hinder you so bad in your walk with the Lord. Because he's always asking you things that will be hard to walk out. Why are they hard? Because uh, someone's going to think I'm stupid. Man, that's all you have to feel in this culture. And you're like, you're done. Uh-uh, no, no, I'm not going to look stupid. I'm not going to sing that song because I don't sound like some celebrity singer. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try that. I'm not gonna go there because I don't add up to the perfection I see on the TV, or uh, you know, with someone else. Or you're comparing yourself. How, how that's the fear of man and the self, the self consciousness that just gets a grip on us. So we wanna we wanna come and and bring all those things before the Lord so we can really get get free. And so this, this key of Psalms 91, it's the, the building a house and building a dwelling place. The more you do that, and that really is the intention, that you don't just get saved and set free, but that you come and you build a house, a house in the presence of God, a house that sits under the shadow of the Almighty. A couple of our young families are looking for houses, and so you're always looking for houses. You look at all the details of the house. What's it cost? Where's it situated? Where's the driveway? How much of a garage? How much property? How, you know, you're asking all these questions. You're looking for the perfect house. And if you have a house and you're happy where you're at, then you're not, that's not a big deal for you. But if you don't have a house and you're looking for a place that, you know, will get you out of where you are, you're like, you're all about it. And then if you, it's hard, then you're like, Wow. So having a house, what's that about? It's about finding this dwelling place where it's safe, it meets your needs, it, it is, it's, the right, it's the right thing. It fits your vision and your hope. It, it's, it's a dream. It's the American dream. I don't know. It's, I love it. I don't want to lose that, you know. I love that. And in my weakness, I end up with this little place that's a part of heaven with my oak trees and my little cottage house and my, you know, it's like, it's not perfect, but it's perfect because I love it. And I, and then I worked on it and I built this and added that and took this away and whatever. And it's like, I, I remember when I was young, like, wow, I got a lot to do here. And I finally went, uh, yeah, but I'm happy here and I got the rest of my life to do it. 
So today, I'll deal with this. And this week, I'll deal with this. And next week, I'll just, and it's like part of the joy is, is building the house. Well, spiritually, let's develop this, this men, mentality and mindset. You need to build a dwelling place with the Lord. Like, you have free access. He embraces you. He's come. You can come. But it t- it's, it's through processing life through your relationship with him. And pretty soon, you've established a secret place. You have a problem, you run to the Lord. And he delivers you and helps you and shows you a way. You have another problem, you run to the Lord. You work it through. You have another situation and you go to the Lord. Pretty soon, you, you have built this pathway, you know. It's like, you know, it's like the pathway to some, a well-worn path through the, for, through the yard. My, for some stupid reason, the picture of, you know, the outhouse in the back of that, which is long, long gone. But there, were, what was, there was a path to that because you're traveling that, you know, every day. Pretty soon you, you wear a path. The cows had paths through the pastures. We don't get to see that very often, but it's the, the neatest thing of a, an old meadow where cows were, and they'll always walk on the same path and pretty, you know. And it goes through a stream and through this and through that, and, over, and it's, like, it's like a wonderful place. There's an apple tree, and there's all of those things. And what, what, what's beautiful about it is the paths, or you go walking in the woods and you find a deer path or where the animal or, or animals are, are walking a lot. And, and it creates this, the neatest picture, the neatest thing. Build a path to the, dwelling, to, the, to the shadow, to the place where the shadow is. In order for there to be a shadow, there needs to be light and an object. And the object is the Lord. And the shadow is the, the place under him. You've got to be close to be in the shadow. And you come and you dwell there. It's your dwelling place. You build a dwelling place. So let's look at Psalms 91. Renew your mind. Get this established. Like, here's what delivers you and sets you free. This is one of the most important things. And again, God never takes away your will. There are things we want God to do. And he's like, I'm waiting for you to choose it. Well, yeah, I thought you should just do that. I shouldn't have to ask. I, I had a bad issue with not feeling I should ask for certain things in the Lord. I don't know where I got that. That's, that's the attitude of a fallen person. Like, I, I, I shouldn't have to ask for that. I, I, there's probably more to that subject. I, I, I'll tell you this. I got delivered from it. Well, this is, this is a stupid thought. It's a stronghold. Like, why would I? It's pride. It's a bunch of junk. And it's like, when you come to a father that you're aware, you have everything, and if I need something, I come to you. It works. Our grandchildren, they found out it works. And if there's some resistance, they start sweetening the pie. You'll be my favorite. You know, they learn quickly to... Pad up a little, pad it up a little bit, you know? And it works. We're like, oh, honey, you know, okay. There's scripture that invites you to be that way with Papa. You can also be his favorite, lean on his breast. That disciple had it made in the shade, huh? 
all the other guys that are worried about the do's and the don'ts and the rights and the wrongs and should we and shouldn't we. And John's like, oh, gee, I just love you, Jesus. Like, can I just sit by you? Can I sit on your lap? Can I, what is, what is it for a grown man to sit on another grown man's bosom? I don't know, you know? That, that's how close, he was just, he was there. And he wasn't trying to figure out life, and he wasn't trying to argue about things, and he wasn't worried about other people and their, what they're doing. He's just like, that's the dwelling place. That's the invitation I want you to be very clear about. And you're never too old, and you're never too far gone to start. Religious, again, if there's a stronghold of separation, if there's a dwelling place that's been established in your soul, it'll keep you separated. And Jesus walks in the door, and you, I had a, I had a, yeah, I can't give that illustration. Have you tried to reach out to someone that you love, a dear one, a child, and they run like they move away from you, and you're like, I wanted to help, and there's this, dis, dis, there's this uh, separation, and you're like, oh, gosh, that hurts. Like, why, why did you run when I came? Why did you, why did you move? And, and, and I thought, oh, how often have I done that to Jesus? He's coming, he's calling out my name, and I'm convinced I'm in trouble, and he just wanted my attention to find out what's wrong. Rick, what's wrong? Why are you yelling at people? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you acting like this? And the question he's, he wants to draw near is like, what's wrong? What, what is, what's affected you? And, and, and instead, we get harder, we start to run, we get away further, further, further. I mean, it can happen to any of us. You don't have to be full-blown backslidden to just that hardness to set into your heart where you're not drawing near, you're drawing. So, the dwelling place is about finding this place and out of the Passion Translation, when you sit enthroned under the shadow of, of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusation and, <coughs> and deadly, deadly, any deadly curse, which, which means it's translated poisoned arrows. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. Like, he has your best in mind, and, and he's doing things to prevent you from getting hurt, and he approaches you about it, and you run from him. Why would we do that? Not good. So the one that's made the Lord his dwelling has learned, I draw near to you. I'm not afraid of you. And if you say no about something, there's a good reason. I've learned to trust you. There must be something wrong there. There must be something dangerous there for me. There must be something that's, that's not the best for me. And you develop that trust. Lord, if you're saying no, I'm, I'm good. It's disappointing because I'm anxious a little bit. <laughs> but it's okay. It looked like the best, but it may not have been the best.
it looked like the right house to buy, but if, if you blocked it, then there's probably a reason. It looked like the person to marry, but if you blocked it, and in time, when you watch how the Lord has stopped you at different times and directed you, like, that's my story, my testimony. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I was so sure then. I, I have revelation now. You knew best. You guided me. And I was desperate, and I was anxious, and I was frustrated. But somehow through that, you kept me so that I would come into your perfect will. A lot of mystery, but the Lord orchestrates, guides, directs. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Like right there, that's a good word right there for all of us right now in, in our world situation. Don't fear a thing. There is the optics of what life is right now, and everybody's like, this is messed up. It is. It is, but it had to be shown. It had to be seen. It had to be. If it wouldn't have gotten exposed, then even if in our real situation here, the, the election that got stolen, it's like it had, it had to get stolen because the stuff that's getting exposed would not getting, and things are getting exposed. I know things look bad. I know they're passing laws. I think it's all gonna go away. I really do with all my heart. All of that's gonna go, pfft. When it, when it becomes apparent that it's all illegitimate, I believe it's going to go away real quickly. My personal feelings, I shouldn't mix them in here too much. I think our president is waiting for the two-year mark. He actually can serve for 10 years as president in special circumstances, and I think we're living in them. If we get to January 23, he can be back in place, finish out this two years, and run in 24. That's kind of what I think is happening. I really do. There are great things happening. Great people are coming forward. And I'm watching patriots become Christian, and there's this awesome wedding because our Constitution, I've always said this about the Constitution, you can lay it right down on the Bible, it fits. Because it's out of this. This is, this is the, the word that that Constitution was born out of. There's, there's none like this. There's nothing else like this. When you have a Constitution that's as marvelous and amazing as ours, it had to be birthed out of, this is the mama. It comes out of the word. So, the word to the, from the Lord, do not fear a thing. And we may have to face down some scary, scary things. And even if it costs us, okay, it costs us. The liberty is worth it. The freedom is worth it. Our Christianity, like we're, we're pansies, patriotically and as Christians. We start to suffer consequences for, for believing 
something or declaring what we believe is right or wholesome, or, and, and we're persecuted, and then we're whining about it. It's like, you may be, are you willing to pay the consequences of walking and following the Lord? We've, we've got to toughen up. We can't live like this. Whether by night or by day, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil launch, be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. That, we're going to see that in this lifetime. We're going to see, see a lot of this take place. When we live our lives within the shadow of the God, mo of God most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could even evil, could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? So I'll say again, as Christians, we're still living subnormal. We're living below normal. We haven't even hit normal yet for supernaturally being in health and prospering and being well and doing well. It's okay to go, hey, we haven't hit the mark yet. We better, we better stay at this. We, may, we, we better get, let's get serious. Let's stop leaning on this and leaning on that, relying on this and relying on that. We, we have so much that we've been fattened and we're lazy. And there, there's what the Lord gives, the bl blessings he gives, the provision he gives, they don't disappoint. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover. That's living in the bosom. That's living, that's, you know, that's that secret place. Because you've delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you in a high place, safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry for every help, for every time you pray, and you will find and feel my presence. Even in your time of pressure and trouble, I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. I'm in. I'm in. Are you in? Are you willing to be in to the level of attaining fullness? Or are you going to be substandard Christian, get by, and rely on everything else? It's an adventure. But the goal and the, and the, the end result is so, so great. I want to build a house. I want to build a dwelling place. Turn with me to Second Peter, and I'll close. We'll reread that passage. It does. It, it, Phyllis uh, shared it with me this morning. I'm like, oh, that's so, it's so rich because it, it, keeps, it keeps perspective. It keeps us, it keeps us in a good place. <coughs> Chapter 1, verse 5, starting in 5, we'll read through 9. 
So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and to self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add goodness, and to godliness, I'm sorry, godliness, not goodness, godliness, and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters, and, and to mercy toward others add unending love. Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately but if anyone lacks these things he's blind constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence for his past sins have been washed away so where do we start? We start at the, at the point of being clean and being cleansed. That's what has been given to us. And it's easy to forget where you've come from and forget what is yours. And, and we're admonished, don't forget this. Keep this in mind. And meanwhile, do good, be fruitful, like apply the things you know, like uh, enjoin the activity of, of goodness. Don't withhold. Because when you fall away from this, you stop giving. You stop serving. You stop. Everything feels fruitless and, and uh, uh, not worth it. But when you do it as unto the Lord, you fill yourself with doing what you know is, is good and right and pure and what our instructions are. Not, not forgetting where the point we come from, our place in the Lord and all he's provided. Father, today we just ask your blessing on your word. You promised that you would not let it return to you void without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent. And your word has shed, been shed abroad in every one of our lives. And there's no way that you intend for your word to return to you without accomplishing what you meant it to accomplish in our lives and in our lifetimes. So, Father, renew our focus to run to you and dwell close to you. I believe for incredible manifestations of your kingdom, of your power. For we've not yet seen the fullness. We've not yet experienced the fullness of being completely free and our hearts being this dwelling, that our dwelling place our place of refuge is truly in you and not in anything else or anyone else. Father, give, her, give us a heart to run this race, especially the race to get close to you and abide and dwell in your shadow. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. time of prayer. The version I have of my Bible is the NIV. And it has these headings over different passages of the scripture. And I think other versions have this too. The heading that's over 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10 
is light and darkness, sin and forgiveness. And I just thought that's the essence of communion. I've been doing these communion messages for years and I've never come across this heading. Light and darkness. Light is here at the altar when we take communion. The light of the world takes away this darkness that's around us. And forgiveness meets us here at the altar when we commune and takes away our sin. Let me read this uh, passage of scripture. This is the message we have heard. And we declare, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So as we sit here this morning, we acknowledge there's darkness around us. But the scripture doesn't say to walk in darkness. We acknowledge there's sin, there's darkness in our relationships, there can be darkness in our body, mind, and spirit, but it says we have this, yet we walk in the light. So I want us to take our time with communion today, like, like Phyllis asked, let's come forward for prayer. Listen, where you're sitting, sometimes the darkness seems so heavy you can't move. Sometimes it's overwhelming. The scripture says walk in the light. And maybe you have to take a step out this morning. Worship, praise, prayer, walking in the light, all these things are in action. Maybe this morning you gotta move and where you normally take communion in your chair, you need to step forward this morning and step into the light. Step into fellowship, it says. And step into prayer and step into forgiveness. Walk in the light, amen.